We keep a finger on the pulse of all things movies and TV. From Tinseltown to the local scene and everything in between. Welcome to Film Flicks Podcast. Here are your hosts now, Josh, Renzo, and Boaz. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, we are setting up shop again for the second episode of Film Flicks Podcast. I'm Rookie Boaz of 99.5 Play FM. Once more, I'm joined by Joshua Miguel, who can be found at, at Josh underscore Migs14 on Instagram, and Renzo David, who can be found likewise at Film Flicks Reviews on Instagram. How are you boys? We're kicking it into high gear again for the second episode. Tell me what your week has been. Fill us in. Oh well, well, you know, been uh, been studying film really, because we we can't do anything in this pandemic. So, so I just sit down, learn, study, you know, just enjoy what I'm doing here in my house. So, and yeah. you know, been doing reviews on my IG as usual. Yeah, that is such a bummer, especially during the pandemic, since it stunted and stultified productivity. You know, but hey, it's just another cross we have to bear. All in a day's work, am I right? Josh, how about you? Well, for me, since my school started uh, July 20, uh, I've been doing some uh, school works recently. And um, in my free time, I actually still play my instruments, my piano, my guitar. That's great, man. I'm glad you took that up as a hobby because none of you were musically inclined back then. And I'm glad I have a brother in arms now, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's great. All right. So boys, let us go to the, the first and the only game for today. It's called Horror or Not, which is radically different, but somehow akin or analogous to that of fact or fiction. Of course, the last game we played on the show, the difference being you're not as spoiled for choice in terms of information with this next game, because what I'm going to ask you guys to do is to put your thinking caps on and really think your answers through because it's a more cerebrally induced game. And let me tell you why, because you're going to have to make conjectures and surmises based off of and sheerly based off of movie titles alone. And off of those movie titles, you're going to have to tell me if it's a full-fledged horror motion picture or not. Are you guys ready? Ready. Yeah. The first movie comes to us in the form of Hard Candy. Is it horror or not? to think of it i think it's not the horror film okay you locking that in it's, uh, uh, i don't think so i don't think it's a horror film as well you guys locking it in yep yep sweet well here's the thing boys it is a horror movie I know, I know, I hate to to burst your bubble, I hate to take the wind out of your sails yet again for the very first question. You've committed your first error of the podcast. It's an actual, bona fide, fully-fledged horror motion picture. It stars Ellen Page and Patrick Wilson. It was released initially on the 21st of January 2005, and it was directed by Mr. David Slade. 
Anyways, I hope you guys get to redeem yourselves with this next question. You guys ready? Horror or not? The debutantes. The debutantes, huh? Yeah. Balls on your turf, boys. Balls on your turf. It's all you. Let's go. For this round, I think I'll go with uh, horror. Okay. Okay. Renzo? I'll go with horror, too. Yeah, really. Well, your inferences are getting better indeed because you are right. You're finally on the scoreboards this time. And I went I went ahead and took the liberty of being more regional with this next one because it's a Pinoy film. Yeah, believe it or right, not, right. it's actually a Pinoy film which was initially released on the 13th of September 2017. It was helmed by director Prime Cruz, stars Sura Mirez, Maus Ocampo, and Jane Florence de Leon, who I believe is the shoe-in for Darna, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jane Florence de Leon, I believe she's the shoo-in. Or I think she's landed the gig completely and she's no longer vying for it. Anyways, I'll just have to look it up in my spare time. Now, on to the third and final item. Boys, come on. Let's keep at it with this winning streak. And I hope you get this right. I'm rooting for you. Horror or not, love me if you dare. This is a hard one. <laughs> uh, so, wait, 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 okay, so would it help if I said it in a more baleful, foreboding tone, like this, like, love me, if you dare, but, I think yeah, my as, as I think it's not, that voice, it's not, it's mm. not, it's not, darn, it's not, well, that yeah. plan, but, that, suffice it to say, that plan backfired on me, because you guys got it right, I was thinking it would let you off. Yeah, I was thinking it, it would let you off the scent of what is truthful, but it, it backfired, man. It really came back to bite me in the ass. I'm remorseful about that decision. I shouldn't have made that decision. Well, hey, you got two out of three. That's not so bad, you guys. But I'm still, I'm still praying for the day where you finally get a clean slate and have a good go at it and just get yeah. three out of three. All right. I hope to have that soon. I genuinely may ask hope though, may ask though. Sure, go ahead. May ask though. Hmm. What's the award? <laughs> Man. What's the award? Okay, so we did lunch money the last time. Uh, what's it gonna be this time? Rations. A week's worth of rations. Groceries. Oh God. <laughs> I love how I love how we're setting the terms, the bylaws, and the conditions after the fact, after the game. <laughs> yeah, we didn't that's do the. Works. We no, that's no. Okay, okay. That's how it works for us. But the parameter setting should be done before the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> note, to self, note to self. Points to improve on. Points to improve on. Of course. Yep. Yep. Now, on to the first that's hot good. button topic of the pod. I want to talk to you boys about Martin Scorsese, primarily about something he said towards the Marvel franchise, something pejorative, something derogatory, and something unsavory, of course. He put them in a negative light of sorts, right? But I want to get your two cents on the matter because I'm pretty sure you guys keep a finger on the pulse of, of film and put your nose to the street of what it is that's going on. And it's been circulating and it's been perpetuated, this sentiment of his, and I want to re-echo it and I want to hear what you guys think when he said that Marvel films are nothing more than just 
something as cheap as, as a carnival ride or, or, or a spectacle of that sort. What is your reaction when someone as seminal and as revered as Martin Scorsese has cheapened the Marvel franchise and the overall Marvel experience? And also, since he doesn't think that it's real cinema, allegedly of course, <laughs> I, I, I firmly disagree with that, uh, what in your opinion is cinema? Any takers? Well, for me, well, for me, um, I have two terms of this movies, really, mm -hmm. uh, art cinema and popcorn cinema, so that so that it can be fair. But I have to say I agree with Scorsese on that part because for me, <laughs> yeah, really, for me, I love the MCU. Don't get me wrong, I love the MCU. I enjoy. I do think there's quality story to tell, but there's a lot of lacking in the MCU when it terms in terms of the art of what Scorsese loves and for me the reason why I call it the MCU popcorn cinema to be much more fair is because it's even though it has uh, a good story to tell it, it's if let's say the movies you know as a warner let's say that you're talking about Endgame without the rest of the movies it wouldn't work you know of course it, of course that's a part that's the point of the universe but for me what lacks in the MCU is like what Scorsese said the thought-provoking effect of a film that's why, as much as I'm entertained with the MCU, I I have to say I agree with Scorsese. Because if you watch like films like, um, let's say, Taxi Driver or Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Lighthouse, th these things are so thought-provoking. Or let's say when you're watching, let's say a film, uh, The Dark Knight. Yes, it's a comic comic book film, but if you think about it, so much things are so thought-provoking there. And which I have to say, the MCU really lacks. Yes, they do. They do tell a lesson. They do tell a lesson each in every film. But sometimes it's not as risky as we all want it to be. That's all I have to say. Josh, you mind taking this one? Okay, about Mar the Martin Scorsese debacle. Uh, I actually, since I'm actually a fan of the MCU, um, I think that I agree with him. Uh, first of all, uh, as I observed nowadays, cinema audiences tend to watch more of the hype films like, for example, Infinity War, Endgame, uh, uh, which is kind of sad because they, uh, it's, kind, it's not that even harder than the script for me. Uh, Scorsese, Scorsese also stated that uh, it was just his opinion. It's actually just a different art form. Uh, he meant, and by the way, if if you guys think, uh, if you guys um, feel uh, disrespected when he said that the MCU is a theme theme park films, he, it's actually a good thing of what, on, on how he interpreted 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 uh, theme park films to the MCU B because theme park films, in the other hand, is more of a uh, fun film, a family fun film. It's more of an event if you might say. Right, right. Uh, Let me just butt in. Let me just butt in. I'd like to correct the vernacular I used. I believe I used carnival as the terminology. Let the record show that it's a theme park film. That's what Scorsese says yeah. used. I'm sorry. I stand corrected. Thank you. Thank you. Go on. It's just that his concern is that these screens in uh, of what we see in cinema nowadays is losing to massive, um, massive theme park films, which is the MCU. Which, but it's actually it's completely fine because cinema is actually changing nowadays, as unlike before. 
Um, I actually watch. I I think uh, about the hype films. I actually watched Iron Man One. Uh, I remember that time I was with my parents, and none. I think it was just a number of people just watched it with us. It was really that, uh, not that hype before the Iron Man One. And if you guys ever um, say uh, or defend about the MCU about using CGI that the Iron Irishman did, he he says he actually needed it to use CGI since let's face it, the actors are getting old. Um, and yeah, that's about it. That's what I think about the Martin Scorsese debacle, and I, I completely agree with him. Go ahead, Renzo. May add something. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. I want to add something though. Um, people mis uh, misunderstood that uh, when he said it's a theme park, he thinks he's downgrading the work of every filmmaker, writer, actor, crew. It's not that. It's like what Josh said, which I forgot to say, which I agree. Is that he's not saying it's uh, not it's downgrading. It's more of you know, it's more of it's not like the cinema that he loves. You know. No offense, no offense, but but then again, he did say that it isn't cinema. Which is something yeah, he, innately pejorative and combative. Actually, yeah, he did say that. But he said it's a new, all-new art form. He did say nope. that in an interview. He did say that. He's not da- downgrading them. He's he's saying the actors, writers are actually doing a good job. I'm not mistaken, by the way, about yeah. the not real cinema. Uh, I actually I just recently watched this interview to this woman from ET, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he actually was. He actually uh, said that it was a mistake of saying it's not cinema. It's not real cinema. It's more of a different kind of art form, as I said a while ago. So yeah, that's what yeah. I just wanted to say that out. Yeah. Right. Thanks for adding on that. Because for me, I agree with Scorsese. I really do. Because for me, his concern, like what Josh said, his concern is not really about you know that it's there. It's 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 just that. Films like Portrait or, you know, The Lighthouse are getting any screens. The reason why I agree with Scorsese is that once the hype is done, that certain film's hype dies down. It's not like you're excited to watch it again. That's why I agree with him. Unlike when I watch rewatch The Irishman or Uncut Gems, I'm so excited because there's so, much, so many things to learn after each review. You know? the, thing, the thing is that... Uh... I think Martin is also also stated that it's not uh, the crowd isn't filling up with these types of films. Yes, yes, that's a problem. The prob that's a problem. That in smaller directors, I know Scorsese is not a small director, but fans of the MC misdirect when I say I remember posting this on IG that I agree with Scorsese. Um, but people misdirect is that Scorsese is not a small director. His films are at all expensive. Yeah, that's true. But unlike the MCU, the scale of his films are actually really smaller. Really smaller. They're less than what the MCU has. You know? That's why I agree with Scorsese. Smaller films don't get that much love, unlike blockbusters. As much as I love blockbusters, I think smaller films like Scorsese makes or indie directors make should still be attended to equally as the blockbusters. So yeah, I love as much as I love the MCU. I do. I agree. Scorsese on that point. Okay. Can I tell my tale? Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do I think that the movie scene is monopolized? Do I think that the MCU is hogging the ball a little bit? 
and taking the visibility off of the smaller indie productions, yes. That's something I totally espouse. I'm a purveyor of that sentiment, right? What I'm refuting, what I'm contesting is that when he says that it's not real cinema, because I firmly believe that it is cinema, I'm a pragmatic guy, right? And I'm very driven by facts and figures. That's what I go by, right? Are the numerics and the figures and the statistics. And statistically, the MCU has garnered 22.5 billion US dollars summatively. That's from all their movies. And there's no denying that. That's certain to say that it is cinema for most people, for a lot of people, for a preponderance of people, right? If it was able to rake in that much money, then it's a clear indicator that MCU movies are, are cinema for a preponderance of people. There's no denying that to me when the facts and the figures are this big and this exponential. And to say that it isn't cinema is to is serving to invalidate all of the, the opinions of these people. These people who have patronized the MCU. That's too precarious a statement and a sentiment for me to get behind and to espouse. That's why I'm not for that. I'm not for Martin Scorsese uh, boiling it to something less than cinema, because to me it is. It's a very highbrow... Yeah, but it's a very highbrow opinion. You know, it's a very highbrow, it's like an elitist highbrow opinion on the MCU. Which I'm not totally for. But hey, let's just agree to disagree. You boys comfortable to move to the next topic? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. All right, so let's just leave it at that. Let's just agree to disagree, all right? Sweet. Well, what I love about this, what I love about this podcast is we invite uh, intellectual dissonances, instances of that. We, we're not an echo chamber. We don't just bounce off of what the other says and tell what that person said. You know, we, we contest things. I love the contestation that goes on in this podcast, and I hope the viewers love it too. All right, for the second topic, we're up. No, I'm sorry, the listeners. I hope the listeners love it too. Now, as for the second topic, ooh, something I've been meaning to talk about with you guys, something regarding trailers. Your stand on trailers and the problem with trailers this day and age, are they divulging too much? So, uh, for me, there are trailers that are actually good. Uh, okay. let's, let's, let's speak about the MCU since we uh, kind of contradicted it to it a while ago. Uh, let's talk about Endgame. Damn, that, tra- that trailer was effective. You can feel that lots of people actually were craving for it, yet they just released 20 minutes, 20 minutes, if not that, 20 minutes of the film, if I'm not mistaken, for Avengers Endgame. Let's also talk about The Lighthouse. That's also a good type of trailer. The Lighthouse shows us the atmosphere of the film. Shows us how how it would be set up when the when the people are going to watch it, how it would be very immersive, if I'm not mistaken, okay? So, let's talk about the mis- the, the, the mismarketing of trailers. Let's talk about The Village. The Village was actually People thought that it was going to be the rise again of uh, M. Night because uh, the films before The Village were actually not that good, if I'm not mistaken, for uh, M. Night Shyamalan. It was actually uh, shown as a horror film. 
but when the cinema when it was shown in cinemas um it was the people were actually disappointed since it was more of a type of um uh romance uh another trailer for me is drive drive uh the drive the movie uh when it was shown in the theaters the trailer lots of people thought it would be like a fast and furious type of film a transporter film because it had lots of racing and everything i mean like car chases or something but at the end it did not work and i think that mismarketing uh of trailers is actually considered the, for me a possible cash grab because it would it was targeting a, a uh, demographic if i'm uh, to say uh, that that would love these types of movies but it isn't and then there's these bad trailers okay let's talk about one of the let's talk about the DCEU this time the DCEU uh, are failing uh, before but now I think they're trying to rise up a bit since the last movie was Birds of Prey which is okay I, w- I would say okay but anyways the last the, the trailer that I'm talking about is BVS BVS showed us a glimpse of doomsday at the end of the trailer I did not I did not like that I if I would edit that the trailer I would I would have just uh, stopped wherein the monster growls when we're in doomsday growls and the the, the of course the audiences would would uh, be speculating who would, would it be that would be a smart move there's another one amazing spider-man 2 which is uh, which is the worst spider-man film I've ever watched in my opinion uh, not that worse. I mean, it's uh, comparing to the other films. But in Amazing Spider-Man 2, I remember watching the films there. Uh, I mean, watching the the tra- trailer. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, we see Gwen Stacy actually falling down a, a, a clock tower, and Spider-Man trying to reach reach her up. And and then you can actually see in some parts of the trailer wherein. Spider-Man is like shouting and crying. Andrew Garfield, of course, is a good actor. And you can see, I mean, what what would be the other speculate for the comic book fans? Do, the the what would happen? Do you think Green Goblin died or something? Mary uh, May Parker die dying in that film? So it's actually a problem uh, for me. But let's let me restate again. There are other good uh, trailers. The good trailers are, of course, let me restate: Endgame and The Lighthouse for me. So that's my take on it. Renzo, what do you have to say? Well, my take on it is, you know, like I agree with Josh on every level of what he said, of every fiber of what he said. But for me, I think uh, there are good direct- there are also good directors that are good at hiding, uh, spe- uh, at doing things to not make speculation of things or theory of things, really. And I think one of those directors is Nolan. Nolan's really good at what he does. He's like. He makes sure he makes sure the market marketing team team um, doesn't show anything important or or he it's vague. His trailers are vague. I remember watching each of his trailers like Tenet. It doesn't show like the th- it doesn't confirm like the theory the theory that it's connected to Inception or Interstellar. Like many theories are you know are being are being speculated. And it doesn't show that that confirmation, you know, or you know, that's what that's what I love about, that's what I love about Nolan. He is really, really good at what he does, and like not just good at making film. He's actually really good at you know, you know, making good trailers. He's he knows what to do. 
so that even though let's say you make a speculation when you go to the theater you're wrong it's either you're wrong or maybe you're right but you know that's what I love about Nolan another director that I think is really good at trailers is Fincher Fincher is really good at making you know I remember after watching the Kier's case of Benjamin Button I watched the trailer right after that it doesn't spoil anything even though I, I know what's gonna happen it doesn't spoil a single thing never does that's what I love about what Fincher did you know because Fincher what he does is he cares he cares for the cinema experience he really does and I think for with, with okay boss go ahead uh, I'm not sure that the director is the same person that curates and devises the trailers. So I'm not sure if we can credit them on that or if we could somehow equate that to the efforts of the marketing team. But that's something I'm going to have to corroborate. It's just that I'm not sure about that, though. I'm not sure we're giving credit well, where credit is due. But I could be wrong on that, on the flip side of things. Well, Go on. Well, if you think, of, well, you think about it, um, I can... I can see your point. I can really see a point. But the reason why I think some directors can be given credit is because, of course, the marketing team approaches the director if they like the, the, the you know the trailers. Of course, when would you want your films to be spoiled? Of course not. If you really care about the cinema experience, you wouldn't be like, okay, that's okay trailer. That's a cool trailer. Okay, go right ahead. Right. Okay. And so it depends who you ask. You know, it depends who you ask. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of trailers give a lot away. Anyways, yeah, that's true. Go on. And yeah, I can see your point that there are a lot of traders that can give a lot away. But that's that like I said, it depends on the marketing the marketing team, the production company, and also the director. That's what I think. Okay. Because there there are times that directors are making sure that these things are not being sprouted out or important details are being sprouted out. And I want to see one bad trailer. And it's one in one of the MCU films, which is Homecoming, which I think it's a it's a enjoyable film. Because for me, first trailer doesn't spoil anything. Second trailer doesn't spoil anything. But as the trailers go by, as they pr- produce marketing, they they're slowly spoiling something. And it was like, okay, it's like you can, you're watching the full film already. And another example of bad trailer is, all right, go Josh. Contradict your uh, bad trailers. I also actually want to add another good trailer. I have to say the recent uh, release of The Invisible Man. The, the Invisible Man, when I watched the trailer, it's actually very long. People, uh, I actually saw in the comment sections, the pe- people said that, oh my god, can you just release the whole trailer since you uh, showed lots of footage of it? But at the end of the day, when I watched it, I was surprised because, no, because it's still effective even though the trailer showed not much. So, I'm sorry, I had to go ahead. Right, right. But, but I do want to say that after the criticism of the Homecoming film, when you watch Far From Home, it's obviously John Munson was like, or, or the Marvel studio was like, okay, let's make less trailers so that it won't be spoily. It's, so it's good that there, there's, there are talks of doing this kind of things, man. It's really good. And I think it's, it depends on the production company, really. And also the director, if they like the film, I mean, if they like the trailer, of that's being shown because sometimes the more the trailers you're showing the more it really does spoil things and the more I want to add about the bad trailer is the rise of Skywalker in their TV spots they're spoiling so much they're spoiling so much dude and I was like 
okay, I, I, I can't wait for the movie, but you're, it's like, I, I agree with the comments. They're like, okay, just release the whole movie then. I, I won't lie, it's not, it's, it's not as surprising. Unlike when you, let's say, you hate or love The Last Jedi, it surprises you. It really does. So yeah, that's what, all I can say. Great. So if it's all the same to you, I'd like to get the ball rolling to the next right. juncture of the pod, of course, which is our very first movie review. And that review involves Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse, his newest magnum opus, his newest tour de force. Tell me, what's a timberman want with being a wiki? Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? Why just spill your beans? What are your thoughts on the lighthouse? Uh, anyways, um, oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so for the lighthouse, um, actually, uh, if I, uh, to be fair, since me and Renzo have reviewed it in our IG accounts, how about you, Boas? What do you think about the lighthouse? You, you start the ball first. All right. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the way I see it. Some of the great things about it was that it was very allegorical in that it would harken back certain things and facets and characters from Greek mythology. Like, I see Ephraim as very emblematic of Prometheus or Icarus. I say Prometheus because he suffered the same fate, the same harrowing fate as Prometheus when his guts got eaten out. There's no sophisticated way to say it, right? And it, it harkens back certain things and allusions to Icarus because you can say that on a symbolical, metaphysical degree, just like Icarus, he flew too close to the sun, right? And that eventually led to his detriment and his downfall. And we don't exactly know if the gut eating from the birds, of course, from the birds of prey transpired subsequently to the events of him seeing the actual lighthouse. But um, one could surmise and one could conjecture and I thought that was absolutely the case. So that was great. That was fun. I do want to speak on how the pacing is not intended for mass audiences. It's more of an acquired palette. Like any and I get that Eggers didn't have this for the mass audience in mind, right? For the average Joe Sixpacks. There's a lot to unravel, there's a lot to unpack. And some people going into movies, they just want to turn their brains off, cut loose, blow off steam, and maybe even let their hair down, right? So it wasn't intended for the Joe Sixpack, the average moviegoer but it does reward those who want to deduce it and unravel it because, like I said in the last episode, it pays dividends. You know, when you have a lot to, when you have to fight for the meaning of the movie, 
I kind of feel like it's a, lot, it's a heck of a lot more gratifying than when it's merely just fed to you. Anyways, that's just me. How about Josh? So I'm just gonna make. I'm. I'm going to make this quick. Uh, I just. I just love the themes of the film. The themes are that I loved were. They're actually four, if I'm not mistaken. The first one would be the psychoanalysis, the father and son relationship between the two uh, characters, which were, which was Ephraim Winslow and Thomas Wake. Those was that was amazing. I love that. The second theme that I loved was the mythology of it, as Boa stated. The mermaid. The, let's say the mermaids, the sea monsters, the the symbolic uh, theme, the symbolic um, uh, part of the characters. The third one is the alcoholism. Too much alcoholism in this film. I love that. I love that part, honestly. The fourth one was the uh, homoeroticism. We're not sure if either the characters were gay or not, since you can see in the film, you're not sure. Because it's either yeah, they're gay or they're, they have this father and son relationship. Uh, and I would also want to talk about the the power, the the, the struggle for power. You can you can li li literally see in the film that Ephraim and Thomas is actually struggling for the power. Who could who would be the leader in the lighthouse or something like that? And lastly, I would just say the how it was shot. I love the black and white and the one by nineteen by one aspect ratio. I love that. That's my take on the lighthouse. I'm getting technical on us. Now it's time for you, Renzo David, to sew it all up, man. Let's go. Well, for me, I love the lighthouse. I think it's a perfect film. I think it's really, really well thought out by Eggers and his brother. If, I want, if I'm not mistaken, that's his co-writer. And for me, I my theme for this film is just one. Just one, really, that will sew things together, the whole film. Which is power, the loss of power. While Josh's struggle, mine is lost. Because for me, they lost for power. They both lost for power, you know. And I think it's really, really cool that Eggers thought this out as a theme. Because it's not really. It's there, a lot of elements in this film are not used in the traditional horror films. Really, that's why I love this film. I think it's one of my favorite horror films today. And like Boaz brought up, is the pacing. The, I think what people misunderstood is that the pacing is intentional. Really, it really keeps the mystery. That's why I love this film. And and, and people think that let's say they compare this to Midsummer, which is Astor's second film, which I think it's it's okay compared to his film Hereditary. But like Bo said, it's not really for the conventional you know, horror fans. Right on, man. Thank you for your two cents. You know what? I always love picking your brains about certain topics in film and all the more with movie reviews. Now, we've reached that time. It's time to close up shop, you guys. But before we do that, before I call curtains, I want for you guys to tell the listeners where they can find you on Instagram. Don't click reviews, guys. Follow me there. My, uh, well, mine is uh, at Josh underscore mix 14, just to clarify. And also, if you both are so inclined, care to tell the listeners where they can find the podcast itself? You can find us in uh, SoundCloud and Podbean. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
All right. Thank you, boys, for spending your time with me again. That does it for the second episode of Film Flicks Podcast. Do grab a hold of us through Instagram for any queries or any suggestions. Of course, those are all welcomed developments. We're signing off in five, four, three, two, one. See you, folks.